awkward eye contact with somebody that you have not said good morning to yet and just wave at them, smile at them, say good morning. 
Well, we are going to get started. You can stand up. This morning we are going to uh, sing praises to Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Savior um, who is faithful to everything that he's ever said. Amen. All right, let's go. And dancing is allowed. In all things are possible when we believe all chains are breakable. promises if you said it we believe it if you said it if you said it we believe it with every heartache. 
Come on, God is good, amen. you're still waiting for that or if God proved himself but our God is a man of his word amen come on Ah! 
darkness now has ended in the kingdom of light in the kingdom of light forever under your dominion you're the king of my
of it all. So let all of heaven and the earth erupt in song. Sing hallelujah to the everlasting one. There is no higher name. Jesus, you reign above it all. Sorry, that was abrupt. <laughs> That was Krista. I forgot to put the crossfade in there. <laughs> um, we're going to put up something about tithes and offerings. Um, tithes and offerings is one of the most simple ways to obey God. Um, I am not a math guy, but I can move a decimal. Um, and so the Bible teaches about 10% of your income. Um, and while it is simple, that does not make it easy. Amen? Amen. Come on. Um, as Americans, we believe that we are in charge of ourselves. Come on, that we are sovereign, right? That we can do whatever we want. But as Christians, we are submitted to God and his word. Amen? Um, and so we've got three ways to give. Um, you can send it snail mail to the mailbox. You can do the giving box that's out in the foyer. Um, or you can uh, do it on your phone on the Church Center app. Um, and do we have announcements? We do. Jelly. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a round of applause for my brother in Christ, partner in crime, Joey Goaches. Good morning, everybody. Um, please have a seat. announcement about this fall. Uh, we are going to start a rooted class on October 3rd. Um, it's a great class. Uh, rooted is our core discipleship course. Uh, it's a 10-week experience course, uh, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's, um, it goes over the rhythms of living a Christian life. Uh, things like learning how to celebrate, uh, how God views money, um, salvation, baptism, the, uh, the uh, lack of a better word, explains the rituals of our faith. Uh, but more than that, it's, it's really a good time for veterans in uh, God's kingdom and uh, new believers to come together and... Uh, just grow in Christ. I've seen it be beneficial for people that have, uh, you know, have grown up in church and uh, have lived a Christian life their whole life, but also those that are new to the faith. Um, it's been instructional, and it feeds everybody, and it praises God. So um, the details, once a week we meet, uh, Tuesday evening, 6 p.m., Starting October 3rd, ending December 5th, uh, we go over this book, which has uh, daily devotions, five of them, a five-day week. Um, you read a couple pages, answer a few questions. We get together uh, on that Tuesday evening, and we talk about it. Uh, there's also things like a serve experience, uh, which will happen the week before Thanksgiving, which would be pretty cool, where we'd be able to bless our community with 
some activity that we choose or God puts in our lap. Um, a prayer experience, uh, breaking strongholds experience. Um, there's a bunch of stuff that happens over that 10 weeks. But it is a commitment uh, to be there, to do the full 10 weeks. And uh, we will be offering it at the beginning of, uh, of next year as well. So if you have any questions, just come talk to me. Um, the books will be $20. And yeah, that's about it. We have a, a little bit more of an announcement. Uh, and one more song. Sorry. I achieved making it weird.
my first memory of being in church was, uh, or my first memory in life was being in church in a nursery. Amen. And the reason that's important is because God's been good to me for 60 years. And he hasn't failed me in 60 years. And praise God for nursery workers who take care of brats like me. Amen. Let's, let's go. Hey, you didn't have to agree with that one. Let's dismiss the kids at this time. You may be seated. All my life, he has been faithful. Let's, uh, you can stand up if you want, you can stay seated, you can get on your knees, you can do whatever you want to do, but we're going to pray. Let's, let's take a moment and pray. Father, it is an understatement to say you've been so, so good. You're worthy of so much more, and we gave you the best we could today. But you're still worthy of so much more. I want you to know that, Father, that that our words are never going to be enough to tell you how much we love you and how valuable you are to us and how much difference you've made in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for that cross. Bearing the weight of my sin. Suffering where I should have suffered. Sacrificing for what I never could. And staying true all the way through to finish. I love that thought in the song, Father. I just want to say it again, that how Jesus chased that darkness away out of that grave. Holy Spirit, we so desperately need you today. There are other spirits that are trying to interfere with what you're trying to do today. And we need to be aware of that, that you are more powerful than any spirit in the room. So we surrender to you today. We submit to you today. We serve you today, Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know my week. You know what I've been through. You know what I've experienced. You know what I've done, what I haven't done. Thank you for still loving me. And forgiving me. And giving me an opportunity that I probably don't deserve today to preach your word. But help me do what I can't do in my own power. That we may make a difference in the lives of the people that are in this room today. We love you so in Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. In Jude, the book of Jude, you want to say chapter 1, but there's only one chapter. A lot of verses, but one chapter. The Bible tells us, and I'm going to read out of the King James today. 
that's where I go when I want to get back to my roots. Jude, the Bible says, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them who are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. He's speaking to Christians here. He goes on to say in verse 2, mercy to you and peace and love be multiplied. That's the way we ought to be greeting each other. Listen, husband and wife, that's the way you ought to be greeting each other every morning. Parents of children, you ought to be greeting your children that way every morning. When you go to work, you ought to be greeting the coworkers this way. Mercy to you and peace and love be multiplied. You say, well, they'll throw me out of the crummy. That's okay. How different would your attitude be in the morning if you were greeted with that mercy to you, peace and love be multiplied? We need to talk to each other a little bit better, I think. <laughs> Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Jude, his real name was Judas. But once Judas betrayed Jesus, nobody wanted to be known by the name of Judas. So he shortened his name. He was the brother of James and the brother of Jesus. And he didn't want to play on the relationship between him and Jesus and say, look at me, I'm the brother of Jesus, listen to me. So he kind of left that out. Sometimes we have a tendency to take credit where it's not our credit. And he wanted to write and encourage the Christians that he was writing to in the early days of the church about salvation. He wanted to talk about the common salvation. But he found it necessary to write something else. Something that was going on in their day. Lots of false teachers that needed to be addressed. And because of that, the faith that Jesus taught and the faith that the disciples brought was under attack by those who entered the church and were trying to pervert the grace of God. In doing so, they were trying to deny the necessity of Jesus Christ. I love it what Paul said in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 6. He said, I marvel, I am surprised, I am shocked. That you are so soon removed from him who called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Which is not another, but there, but there be some that trouble you that would pervert the gospel of Christ. Even back in the early days of the church, there were those false teachers who would come in and try to pervert the word of God. I think it's easy to forget that that's still happening today. And we're going to talk about that next week. See, I wanted to continue to speak out of the book of Isaiah, but I felt it's necessary to speak to the issue of faith that's happening in our day today. 
I don't want teenagers and I don't want young adults to think that the kind of faith that they're seeing in this day is the kind of faith that God set up, that God designed, that God planned. I'm not knocking parents. I'm not knocking people. I'm just saying that, that there's a different kind of faith being lived out today that's not the kind of faith that Jesus left us with. I know, you wanted Angelo back where we laughed for a while. He was awesome. I didn't like the, the part about the jowl part. I, that offended me. Because I've been playing with it all week now. I didn't even notice it until he preached it. That was an awesome sermon. See, I believe there's a faith that is being lost. And I was in prayer the other day, and when I asked God for something, and I'm not going to tell you what it was because it was between me and God. And he sent me to a passage of scripture that we're about to read for the answer. That's how God works, by the way. When you're in prayer and you're asking him for something, sometimes he will send you someplace to go find the truth of what you're trying to understand, to give you the answer. And he sent me to John chapter 5 and verse 1. I thought, I thought we were in Jude. Nope, now we're in John. John chapter 5 and verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there was at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool. Which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethsaida. Having five porches. Do you got the picture in your mind? There's a sheep market. Five porches, pool. In that, in these days, um, in, in I can't read it. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season to the pool, and troubled the water. And whoever was first at the troubling of the water and stepped in after the troubled. I'm sorry. Whoever then was first after the troubling of the water stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, and he had an infirmity 38 years, and when Jesus saw him and knew that he had been there a long time, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Or do you want to be healed? I'm praying this prayer, and I'm asking God for something, and he says, Do you really want what you're asking for? Do you really want it? Because I think sometimes we ask for things we think we want, but once we find out what it means to get that thing and the cost of it, we don't really want it. I mean, if... No, I won't say that. But isn't that a silly question? If this is a, a place of pain and suffering and everyone's waiting for healing, why would he say, do you want to be healed? But that's the question. Do you really want what you're asking God for? Do you want to be healed? And I thought about what was in that place that would make Jesus ask that question. Because to me, that sounds like a stupid question. And I would never say that Jesus was stupid. But sometimes it's kind of a... You ask yourself, why would he say that? Of course he wants to be healed. He's been there 38 years waiting for the water to turn. Of course he wants healing. But does he really? And I, I write in my notes, and I, I, what I do is I write a verse, and then I kind of write down what I'm seeing and kind of get it, that into my mind. So I take the Word of God, and I try to place it in here to kind of 
figure out what he's trying to say. In verse 3 of, of, of John chapter 5, what I wrote was, there were multitudes of blind, lame, and paralyzed people there. So you've got to get that picture in your head. What, what was Jesus, why was Jesus saying what he was saying, and what was he seeing to make him say that? Multitudes of blind, lame, and paralyzed people there, all waiting for the same thing. They were all waiting for an angel to come down and stir the water so that if you stepped in the water first, you would be healed. Now, there was a specific man to this story that's important. He was an invalid for 38 years. He was there because of his life choices. We learn later on, Jesus comes back and says, go and sin no more, meaning that the reason he was in this position was because of his own sin. Amen. In verse 6, Jesus saw him and knew he'd been there a long time. And this, this had kind of become the man's life. So imagine the atmosphere for a moment. So we're going to take it from what the scripture says. We're going to imagine kind of the atmosphere. Just imagine piles upon piles of people, some blind, some lame, some paralyzed. These five porches were covered with broken people. And there were bedrolls and tents and shopping carts full of stuff. You can imagine that. Multitudes of broken people and what they needed to do life with every day surrounding them. There would have been sounds of moaning, suffering, and struggle. Just imagine the sounds you'd be hearing in that area. Because sometimes when you're hurting, you can't help but say, make a noise. Because it hurts. And the only way to relieve some of that pain is to, is to groan or to moan or to scream or to shout. Imagine the smell of garbage, the stench of human waste. The stigma of failure. I drove by a guy the other day that was broken. You could tell he was broken. I was trying to get to him, but he, I couldn't get him to look at me. Because he just felt like such a failure in life that he couldn't even look at somebody who was trying to help him out. It would be a place of high anxiety where multitudes of broken people with eyes focused on the water waiting to see if they could be the first one in. So the anxiety is, I got to be there first because if I get there first, I'll be healed. Many of them had tried numerous times, meaning that many of them had experienced much discouragement and disappointment. Could you imagine the water stirring? You're anxious, you're excited, you start going down there and somebody else gets there first. How discouraging and disappointing it would be to hope for something better and to never get to obtain it. It would be a place of anger and frustration, hatred towards those who beat you there. I know you think, oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure glad Pat got healed. No, Pat got healed and I'm still laying here. Why did they heal Pat, not me? Because Pat's got longer legs and he can get to the pool faster than I can. <laughs> kind of a stubby-legged little guy here. It takes me a little, I would have to trip him. But then knowing Pat, he would land his head in the water and be healed and it's the way it works. 
Could you imagine being jealous over somebody who's been laying there together in brokenness, living in this life, having life just kind of suck, and be, then be jealous over somebody who gets freed from that because they got what you've wanted for so long. And maybe it was somebody who just showed up there and he's only been there a year, but you've been there for 38 and all of a sudden he gets healed and you've been there for 38 years. Come on, God. Do you got the picture in your mind? What was this man's life like, the, the certain man? 38 years. 38 years of tears over his condition. 38, not three years, not three months, not three weeks, 38 years of tears. 38 years of shame, blame, fear. Why did I do that? Have you ever done that? Am I the only one that does that? Why did I make that life choice? Why did I do this? Why did I do that? Why do I allow this to happen to me? Why did they hurt me? And you just want to be angry at the person who hurt you and maybe put you there. Sometimes it's you. Sometimes it was somebody else. 38 years. If you're under 38, you don't think that's a long time. When you're 60, that's more than half of your life. 38 years of crawling on your belly only to be stepped over or to be stepped on. 38 years of trying to get to that water, trying to get to that place, trying to get to that healing, trying to get to that salvation, trying to get to that help. 38 years and somebody steps on you to step over you to get what you are desperate for. 38 years of loneliness, hopefulness, and a history of pain. Could you imagine that life? If you're a teenager, you think you can imagine that life, but you're only under 18 years old, so you don't know the 38 years of pain. You've only experienced 18 years of pain if it's been 18 years of pain. Add another 20 onto that. Imagine for the next 20 years, your life is just going to be pain and suffering and depression and discouragement and doubt and hardship and difficulty. Sure glad you came this morning. I wanted to encourage you. <laughs> this ends really well, by the way. What did Jesus see? Because why would Jesus ask him, do you want to be healed? What did Jesus see? Because I think it's important to understand why he saw this man. Now, we live in a world that has a tendency to believe that everything that Jesus sees should be about us. He should always see me. But that's not true. He said he saw a certain man. The word certain doesn't mean special. I heard a sermon, just the, the, a preacher preached on exactly what I'm preaching on today, and he preached it wrong. <laughs> I don't care how many millions of people watch his video or his messages. He preached it wrong. Because the word certain means anyone, someone, a no one. He didn't see, he didn't look at this guy and say, oh, you're, you're, you're the guy I came looking for. Now that happened at the woman at the well. But that's not what happened here in this passage. I believe he walked in and he could have picked anyone. He could have chose anyone. But he chose this certain man. 
I say that because I think there's a certain man or woman in this room that Jesus wants to heal and make a difference in their lives. But you're thinking, is it me? What if it's a person sitting next to you? Don't punch them. <laughs> so why would Jesus ask the question, do you want to be healed? And I'm going to make a statement that I know from my life experience, especially the last few years. I've learned this about preaching. There's a lot of people who can preach things, but until they've experienced other things, they're preaching what the Bible says, not what the Bible says through them. See, I believe true brokenness is rarely physical. True brokenness is rarely physical. I've learned that in times of physical trauma, what can break even worse is the heart and the mind. What can be more broken is not just our physical bodies, but our minds and our hearts. See, I believe time and trial are a test of faith, but they can tear out what faith, little faith you have. So the Bible says in John chapter 5, verse 7, let's go on. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. But while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. And he, Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your, thy bed, and walk. And I studied the word impotent, and it means sick. And I studied it out even farther, and it means that he was weak. Have you ever just felt weak? You're just weak. You just, you've, you've had it. It's been 38 years you've been in this place. You've been struggling with this sin for most of your life. You've been struggling with this, whatever the struggle is for most of your life, and you're just weak. You're just weak. He was feeble, meaning he was easily broken. Have you ever been in that place where you're so fragile that things that shouldn't hurt you hurt you? Things that impact you impact you. Things that bother you shouldn't, like normally it wouldn't bother you. But you're feeble. You're easily broken. He was tired. The impotent man was tired. He was tired of his condition. He was tired of the position he was in. He was tired of the pain. He was tired of the struggle. He was tired of the anxiety. He was tired of waiting. He was tired. He was just tired. Have you ever just been tired? He felt pain. He just, pain was what he felt. He didn't feel peace, he felt pain. He was depressed. He was helpless, he was powerless, he felt insignificant. Who am I in the midst of all these other broken people? Why would Jesus pick me? For no special reason. He was downcast or sad and he was sullen, meaning he was dark. Have you ever just been in that dark place because of whatever you're going through? You're just, it's just, everything's dark. Everything's negative. Everything's wrong. See, I believe his legs were the reason he was brought there, but the real sickness was what kept him there. I believe the brokenness in his legs, the, the crippled nature of his legs brought him to that place. But 38 years of difficulty, 38 years of pain, 38 years of struggle is what kept him in that place. 
I can't see a better way. I can't move. I'm stuck. But the question is still the same. Do you want to be healed? Jesus said. See, I believe the healing of his body was not a problem for God. God can heal the body. Is me and my wife the only ones that agree with that? God can heal the body. That's not a problem for him. He made it. He can fix it. But I don't think that's always the most broken part of us. I think the real problem is the doubt and the discouragement that comes from difficulties. And these difficulties, doubt can actually increase. You doubt yourself. You doubt God. Why else would he say, do you want to be healed? Of course he wants to be healed. But his physical problem wasn't the problem. The other brokenness was. Listen to the man's words. Sir, I have no one when the water is stirred to put me in the pool. I get beat every time. Have you ever just felt that? Where you just feel like you just get beat, like you just can't win. Like there is no hope. You're, you're stuck there. I mean, you still believe. You still want to believe that you could make it, but there's always somebody else that beats you there. And it's like whatever opportunity you have, you want to get there, but somebody else gets there first. At some point in time, you can't tell me you don't start doubting whether you'll ever make it. You can't tell me it doesn't start to put you in a dark place with your faith. See, to Jesus, the man's legs weren't his real problem. His faith was. See, my problem's not the Parkinson's. I'm going to be very honest and upfront with you. The problem is not my Parkinson's. God can heal this. This is not an issue for God. My problem is my heart. My problem is my mind. My problem is how easy I can go to a dark place because I don't believe that God's going to do what he's going to do. How easy it is for me to get depressed. How easy it is for me to just be tired, just be weary, just complain, just argue with God and be jealous that other people get healed. See, that happens to you? Absolutely. You people that have been healed by God, you suck. I'm not kidding because it's like if he'll heal you and you're a mess, why didn't he heal me? Because I'm awesome. I've laid here on this porch for 38 years saying, look how awesome I am. Why not me? And then Pat steps over me and gets in the water. I know Pat. If Jesus said, rise, take up your bed and walk, would you get up or would you make excuses? Would you stay in that dark place? Would you stay in that depressed state? Would you stay in that demoralized state? Would you stay in that difficult place? See, I believe we can have more faith in our physical condition than Jesus' salvation. Our real sickness is that we don't believe the word of God. We don't have the faith that was once delivered to the saints. I believe faith is the problem. Your marriage is broken. And you've been in it for 38 years. And I always ask people when I meet them, how long have you been happily married? And they always tell me, oh, 
38 years, liar. <laughs> You've had a bad marriage for most of, your, most of your marriage. Come on. 1 Peter chapter 3 tells you how to heal that broken marriage, but you make excuses. My husband will never come around to Christ. That's not what the scripture says. That's what you say. Scripture says if your husband doesn't obey the word, he may be won by the conversation of the wife. Well, how many years? I don't know. This man was here for 38 years before he was asked if he wanted healing. See, some of you just were so used to this quick and easy solution to our problem. Like, we want to have a bad marriage for a year and then have Jesus fix it. We'll talk about why that stays that way anyway. Your finances are broken. And Malachi chapter 3 says to trust God with your tithe. And he'll pour out of windows of heaven so much, so much the more that you won't be able to receive it. He'll just bless you and bless you and bless you. But the economy goes south. And suddenly we believe more in the economy and why, what's not coming in than the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 says to prove the sincerity of your love by giving offerings, but you make excuses why you can't give an offering. Offerings are what you give out of love. Tithes are what you give out of obedience. But there's always an excuse why you can't. Because you really, the truth is, you doubt the word of God. Your sin's broken you, but rather than confess your sin and repent of it, you make excuses. Do you want to be healed? Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Those are the only two things Jesus said in this whole conversation. Do you want to be healed? He didn't say anything else. Then he says, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Do you know that many of you will be in the same place tomorrow because you will not believe the word of God? You'll be laying in the same spot waiting for God to do something and God's trying to do something this morning in the, with, through the word of God in your heart. But you're, you're going to doubt it. Do you want to be healed? Rise, take up your bed and walk. But I'm stuck. Do you want to be healed? Rise, take up your bed and walk. But I can't. Do you want to be healed. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And this man did. See, some of you will choose to stay in the stench of your sin and sadness, surrounded by people who suffer because you will not believe the word of God. You will not believe this book. You will not believe it and obey it. You will not take it what it says and say, I'm going to trust God. Not what I see, not what I feel, not what I think. I'm going to trust this book. How many years will it take? Well, how many years are you willing to live in the same spot? How many years will you complain because your situation is incurable? Do you want to be healed? Do you, I mean, this is getting ridiculous now. Do you want to be healed? Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Or you can choose to stay in the stench of your sin and sadness surrounded by people who suffer. Oh, I just said that. 
I want you to see verse 9. Do you have it? Do you have anything on the screen? There we go. And what? And, and, and what? No, I don't think that's what it means. And I don't think you guys are believing this. What's it say over here? Maybe it says something different on this screen. And the man was made what? Whole. And took up his bed and walked and on the same day was the Sabbath. How quickly did his life change? How quickly did his life change? How quickly did his life change? No, no, no. Somebody's going to say, that's not how it works. Doubter, you don't want to be healed. And you'll never rise and take up your bed and walk. You'll never do what God's telling you to do. Immediately. Why else would God put that word in there? He could have said, and the man was made whole. And we could have said, well, yeah, that probably took another 10 years of faithful Bible study, of going to church, of making sure he prayed the right way, got his family in order, did everything right. No, immediately the man was made whole. Immediately the man was made whole. Immediately the man was made whole. Am I the only one that really likes that? Because I really like that about the scripture. Do you want to be saved? Do you want to be saved? Do you want your sins forgiven? Do you want to be saved? But what say that the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart? That is the word of faith which we preach. Not the word of whatever, it's the word of faith. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. No, 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 no. It's not that easy. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou could possibly, if you work really hard at it, if you do all the right things, if you say the right words in the right order in, in, in church at the altar, because that's the only place that anybody gets saved ever. No, I've always believed that that says, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What was the problem with the man? He had a heart problem. But until he turned that heart problem into a faith, he was going to stay there for the rest of his life. Romans ten thirteen says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord could, might, should be saved. You say, you're making it too easy. No. God knows the truth of your heart. Do you really believe or do you have doubts? And the man was made whole. How do you know he's made whole? How do I know I've been made whole? How do I know that you've been made whole? How do, I, how do we know? How do we know? How do we know? How do we know? The Bible tells us the story of what happened. 
John chapter 5 and verse 10. The Jews said therefore unto him that was cured. The Jews said therefore unto him that was cured. The Jews noticed that he was cured. The religious people noticed he was cured. The church people noticed that he was cured. It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. That's a whole other story for another day. And he answered them, He that made me whole, the same said to me, Take up thy bed and walk. And they asked him, What man is that that said to thee, Take up thy bed and walk? That's a whole religious attitude that we'll worry about later. But how do you know you've been made whole? Others, not you. Others, see that you've changed. Others, see that you've changed. Others, see that you've changed. Not that you say, no, I'm different. No, no, no. Your wife goes, what happened? Your kids are like, what happened to dad? My dad was an angry, bitter man. Then he got saved and he was the, the kindest man you've ever known. And if you knew him in his later days, you would have realized he was just a kind, gentle man. But, but I've been told when he was a younger man, he was a jerk. Till Jesus. He was weak, feeble, tired, felt pain, depressed, helpless, powerless, insignificant, downcast, and sullen. And immediately he's strong and brave and energetic and relieved and cheerful and independent and mighty and notable and elated and sociable. He went from one guy to a whole new guy in a moment, immediately. While his legs were the reason he was brought there, his real sickness is what kept him there, but he moved on from that life by faith. He moved on from that life by faith. He didn't stay that guy. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away, but all things have become new. When somebody has been made whole, here's a guy who's been laying on his whatever for 38 years, broken and angry, and all of a sudden now, He's up running around and people are like, what happened? I met this guy. His name is Jesus. And he saved me. See, you know you're saved when you're walking in the newness of life and the people around you go, wow, you're different. And this isn't something that happens over 10 or 20 years of training while, while attending church. This happens immediately. I think we missed that. Okay, that was fun. Let's move on to number two. How do you know you're saved? How do you know you've been made whole? How do you know you've been healed? You want to go to church. Yeah. Oh, great. Here we go. <laughs> That's all that guy has. So he's got one trick pony there. That's all he's got. I can ride side saddle. Look at what it says. Look at John chapter 5, verse 14. Afterwards... Jesus findeth him in the temple. And he said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. And the man departed, and the Jews said it was Jesus. He told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him whole. 38 years. Just, just get back to that place. 38 years living in that horrible place, feeling that pain, being broken, all messed up, all tired. He didn't go home to his family. He didn't go home to his family. 38 years, he didn't go home to his family. 38 years of suffering, he goes to church. But he wanted to go. He didn't have to go. He wasn't forced to go. For those of you who are forced to be in church, 
which just tells me something about you need to be healed. Otherwise, you'd want to. He didn't go back to the bar. He didn't hang out with his buddies. He was found in the temple. I remember several of you when you first came without Christ and then you came to know Christ. Now we can't get, get rid of you. You will not leave the building. It's like, it's, like it's one o'clock. I want to go home. You show up here during the week. You won't leave us alone. Might as well face it, you're addicted to church. He went to church. Ladies, could you imagine your husband wanting to be in church? Guys, could you imagine your wife wanting to be? Could, could you imagine your teenagers saying, let's go, it's Sunday. Could you imagine your little kid saying, I want to be in the house of God. Now, more importantly, that's where Jesus found him. Jesus knew where to look for saved people. Jesus findeth him there in the temple. Where, where does Jesus find the average Christian today on a Sunday? Where there's a lot of grumbling going on. Uh, I wonder, I just wonder if, if before he comes back, and I, I, I hope it's cool that he comes back. Before he comes back, I, I hope he checks out who's in church and who's not. So the first thing he goes, oh, Jesus, you don't understand. I had this sports thing going on today. Yes, I'm that guy. I still believe there's nothing more important than celebrating the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ on a Sunday every stinking week. Why? Because every week I proved that I needed to be saved. I don't know about you, but I'm not so perfect that I can go through the week without having some kind of sin that I have to say, oh, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross and paying for my sin. Otherwise, I would have to pay for that one, and that would really suck. I can't afford that ticket. <laughs> Where would Jesus find you? See, we're supposed to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of submits, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back soon. There are The, the signs are all there. Everything's happening the way God said it was going to happen. It is really, really close. And it would suck to say that you're saved and be found somewhere else. You want to obey God. How do you know you've been made whole? How do you know? You, you just want to obey God. Look at what Jesus said. This, this is powerful. After Jesus findeth him in the temple, and he said to him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more. Lest the worst thing come upon you. What could be worse than 38 years of weakness, weariness, painfulness, sadness, feeling helpless, powerless, insignificant, sad, and dark? What could be worse? What could be worse than 38 years of your life laying on a porch waiting for something to happen? You never get to win. You never get victory. You never uh, get to see the power of God do anything amazing. What could be worse? 
be living there 38 years from now? He could have said to Jesus, nah, I don't want to be healed. Nah, I don't want to be saved. Nah, I'm not going to obey you. What could be worse? More of your life being lived in the sadness, in the sickness, in the brokenness of your life. I don't care if he fixes this. I care that this does not stay in this broken state. I know that Jesus can make me happy and give me peace. I know the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, temperance, meekness. Meekness, temperance, I had them backwards. See, you could be the guy who had the opportunity today to be healed and said, no, it's not that bad yet. You know, there is not a homeless, houseless person in the world that ever thought they were going to become houseless at some point in their life. There's not a person that's been broken for 38 years that ever thought they were going to spend 38 years suffering and struggling and, and being wounded and broken. They never thought that was going to happen. But you know there are people all around you that are that way. Some of you never imagined you'd be in the marriage that you're in. You thought at first it was, this is going to be awesome. We're in love. <laughs> Honeymoon lasted three hours and then after that the rest was hell. Come on now. Why would you stay in that? Why would you stay there? When he says, do you want to be healed? Take up thy bed and walk. See, life without Jesus could definitely be worse. Some of you have forgotten what it was like without Jesus. So for some reason you decided to vacation in the five ports of Bethsaida. Why would you vacation there? How do you know you've been made whole? You want to obey the words of Jesus. Go and sin no more. I'm not going to do what got me, put me in this place. Let me give you the fourth reason. And we'll, whoops, I'm going into overtime. This is what happens when I don't preach one Sunday. I preach two sermons, sermons in one Sunday. How do you know? How do you know you've been healed? You share Jesus. You share Jesus. You share Jesus. You know the man departed and told the Jews, it was Jesus. How did you get here? It was Jesus. How did you get there? It was a book that I read. No, it was not. You can buy all the self-help books you want and not be healed. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. Hey, I want you to know it was Jesus that made a difference in my life. Hey, it was Jesus that saved me. Hey, hey, it was Jesus that changed my life. It was Jesus. It wasn't my religion. It wasn't my parents who brought me to church. It wasn't my work. It was his word that changed me. He healed me. It wasn't the angel that stirred the waters in the pool of Siloam. It was Jesus who said, do you want to be healed? And he said, rise, take, take up your bed and rise, take up your bed and walk. And I just did what he said and was healed. Amen. 
I thought I, about what I asked God for the other day when he said, do you want to be healed? And I wasn't asking for physical healing because I don't care about that. I mean, I know he can. This isn't the issue. I just want more of him. And if more of him means that this doesn't get healed, but this does, I'll take more of him that way anyway. Charles Spurgeon once said in a sermon that the greatest earthly blessing that God can give any of us is health, with the exception of sickness. The greatest earthly blessing God could give us is health, except, except for sickness. Sickness, Spurgeon said, has, more, has, has been more, uh, of more use to the saints of God than health has. Those of you who came here broken found Jesus and he's changed your life. If it wasn't for your brokenness, you never would have trusted Christ as your Savior. If your life goes well and you never have sickness and you never have pain and you never have a struggle and you never have difficulty, you never really need Jesus, and this just becomes all just this religious thing that you do because you were raised up that way and you just go to church because you're supposed to, but you're not really into it, you're not really about it because you've never been broken. I worry about the young men who believe, I believe God is calling to be pastors in this place and you don't realize what they're going to have to go through to do that. And I don't know if they're willing to really trust God in the brokenness or not because they think, oh no, I'm just going to do it in health. Listen, no healthy person surrenders to be a pastor. No mentally squared up person gets into this. I thought about what could be worse. I could spend the next 38 years religious without being real. I, I couldn't imagine spending the next 38 years just doing what I'm doing because that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm not living by faith. I'm not trusting God. I'm not obeying Him. I'm just doing what I've been taught to do all these years. I could have a faith without having faith. This is what I believe. I see this from people all the time. This is what I believe. Yeah, but you're not living it according to faith. Because sometimes you've got to actually trust God with your life, not just trust what he says and not actually try it. I could experience my emotions instead of the fruit of his spirit. I think that's what's happening right now in this season of Christianity where God is saying to all the lukewarm Christians, it's all emotion. You're either going to either be cold or you're going to be hot. I could live the rest of my days in the same place that I am today. Could you imagine getting up to heaven and God saying, why, why, why did you stay on that porch? Your answer's got to be the same every time. Because I didn't believe. Because I didn't want to obey. See, the faith that was once delivered to the saints caused these saints to give their lives for the kingdom. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about believers who gave everything, including their lives, and sacrificed their families for the kingdom of God. We can't even get... uh, I know, move on. See, I believe there's a reason for that. We're going to talk about that next week. 
Because I'd rather tell you about Jesus. Jesus changed my life. I was an angry, bitter, drunk of a man who met Jesus and he changed me. I hated people, hated people, hated people, hated people. Now my biggest problem is I love you people too much. <laughs> that I'll probably err on the side of love more than I will what I should err on, which is sometimes I got to say you're wrong. Which is what this sermon was about. Because one day I said, I can't live this way any longer. I can't be this broken guy. I can't be this angry guy. I can't be this sad guy. I can't be this depressed guy. Do I want to be healed? Yes. Yes. What do you want me to do? Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Stop living in your old life. Repent of it and say, I can't live that way anymore. I'm not going to lay on this porch. I'm not going to stay here. I'm picking up my home, and we're moving to a better place because I'm not going to live this life this way anymore. Jesus is the one that will make you whole. Could you imagine if everyone in this room this morning who needed to be healed would have the faith that God would heal them? And I'm not talking just the mental, physical, emotional, but also the physical. What if you really believed God could do it? Would you rise up, take up your bed, and walk? Or would you just treat this like it's just another sermon? See, I don't believe God gave me this so I'd have something to preach today. Because I had lots of things I could have preached today. I have a whole book of Isaiah. I'm only in chapter 7. We've got, what, 59 other chapters to go. But for some reason, God laid this on my heart this week. Because somebody in this room needs to surrender to healing. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Pastor, I haven't walked in 38 years. Do you want to be healed? Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Pastor, it's too hard. Do you want to be healed? Let's stand. Father, I don't know everything that's in the room. I know you do. I don't believe preaching is just something that we do as part of our week. I believe you're trying to take your word and encourage your people with it. Because I believe in this room there are broken people who have been broken for a long time. And they don't have to be special and they don't have to be perfect and they don't have to be anything other than willing to believe you. Willing to, be, to surrender their lives to you today. What a shame it would be if anyone in this room who needed healing would leave this place without calling upon you today 
in throwing out their excuses and saying, I trust you, Jesus. Maybe it's for your soul, your salvation, the payment for your sins. Maybe it's the situation you're in right now. You're just, you're laying on that porch and it sucks and you're tired and you're weary and you, you have no hope. And Jesus is here today and he's saying, do you want to be healed? What are you saying to them, Father? Encourage them to call upon you right now. Holy Spirit, do what you do best. Comfort us, convict us, challenge us. Show us clearly Jesus Christ in in our lives that we can see a picture of him saying to us, do you want to be healed? Heads about, eyes closed. How many of you say today, Pastor Andy, I want to be healed today? Amen. I want to be healed. I don't want to live this way anymore. I I don't want to doubt you anymore. I'm tired of laying in this place. I'm tired of being in this place. I want to be healed today. Rise, take up your bed and walk. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I want to sing just an old hymn. And I'm going to sing it and it's going to be terrible, but let me sing it. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. Day I will never forget. After I wandered in darkness away, Jesus, my Savior, I met. Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend. He met the need of my heart. Shadows dispelling with joy, I'm telling he made all the darkness depart. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole. My sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Why don't you let heaven come down today? Heads about, eyes closed, the altar's open. Why don't you just come? Come and pray. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. 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 I don't want to live this way anymore. I, I, I don't want to live this brokenness anymore. I don't want to live this sadness. I'm tired. Do you want to be healed? Yes, Lord. I never want to forget today 
Lord, don't let me forget this day where you came to me, a nobody, an anybody, a somebody. who needed the healing that you can give. Today's the day. Rise up and walk and tell people it was Jesus. Today's the day. Stop living in that place you're living right now. Rise, take up thy bed and walk. You can know it's real. What you were sitting on that porch is no longer true about you. Father, you've done your work today. We're going to sing one, that hymn one more time, Father. Because today could be a wonderful day for so many people if they would let it. Do we want to be healed? Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Father, encourage us as we sing before we leave to know that you've been here Jesus we pray and all God's people said do I got the words on the wall there we go ready this is going to sound terrible because I'm leading it ready oh what a wonderful wonderful day day I will never forget after I wandered in darkness away, Jesus, my Savior, I met. Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend. He met the needs of my heart. Shadows dispelling with joy, I'm telling he made all the darkness depart. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole. My sins are washed away, and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down, and glory filled my soul. Father, today is a great day. You are glorified. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for being our God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to our hearts. Thank you for cleansing us of sin. Thank you, Jesus, for paying for our sin and forgiving us for it. We trust you. We love you. We'll obey you. We'll serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say,